0: We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, God, that um, we can learn from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And, Father, I want to. I don't want to make some of the same mistakes that he made. I want to spend my life honoring and glorifying you, and I think we all do, Father. So, thank you for including this experiment that Solomon took in the inspired Word of God that we might know and understand what it is to live life under the sun. What Solomon said is that's vanity, it's foolishness, it's chasing after the wind. May we live our days to honor and to glorify you. I just pray that you'd be with us in this study, that we'd have ears to hear, and God, that you would draw close to us, Lord. We want, you, we want more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, I'm excited about Ecclesiastes tonight because we're actually going to finish it we're going to we get to the the point of all of this for weeks we have labored through chapters 1 through 10 of Solomon saying over and over and over again hey if you're living life just for this life it's a waste of time if all there is is life under the sun that's the way Solomon puts it is like if all there is is the physical here and now And at the end of that, you you're dead. Then it's all vanity, is the word he uses. It's all foolishness. It's all a waste of time. And Solomon would have known. I mean, he he experienced everything there was to experience. He he said, you know, he had the wealth to do whatever he wanted to do. He had the resources to buy peacocks from and and monkeys and bring them in from Africa for fun. He didn't play a CD. He bought the band you know it it was like whatever you wanted to, whatever he lent his eyes to do he allowed himself to have he's like i tried to figure out wisdom drunk i don't know anybody that's done that you know that you get drunk to get drunk you're not trying to see how smart you can be while you're still drunk solomon spent time doing that and so finally at the end of this book chapters 11 and 12 he's kind of surmising everything. He's summarizing it all, giving us little bits and proverbs and and giving us guidance on what we should do with our lives. And then in the last paragraph of the book, it just, it's like a home run ball. It's like, okay, it makes sense. Thank you for saying that, Solomon. So we're going to get to that tonight. We get to the conclusion. But it starts with chapter 11, verse 1, book of Ecclesiastes, with an interesting verse. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. And I have in my notes two question marks. What does that mean, Solomon? I mean, like we talked about last week, sometimes you you know people that are so smart that when they speak, it makes no sense. Like they have no common sense, or they're just completely random, or the, the idiot savant that is able to, you know, just spew all this information forward. What are you talking about? Cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days, it will return to you. Just think of it purely in that sense. Why would you put bread on water, <laughs> right? It would fill with water and sink, probably. And even if it didn't, if it should float around for many days, would you want it back, right? That it, so all right all right so that's probably not what Solomon is talking about all right so we can rule out the obvious or the the blatant there and there are as you read commentators on this verse there's many different things about what people would say oh this is what it means and this is what it, what he's saying here and there's this deep thing about how you know they used to In the in the right season, in on the Nile River in Egypt, when the banks were the the water had receded and the banks were still soft, they would sow their wheat into the banks of the Nile, and then the waters would rise again and 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 you know nurture the seed, and it would grow this beautiful harvest that they would always get great crops for. Okay, maybe, don't know. Here's what I will tell you: doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter exactly what Solomon was trying to say, because the point that he's trying to make is, be generous. And the reason I know that is because verse 1 is attached to verse 2, and the idea that he is, is getting at here as he's at the end of his life is, he's sharing what he's learned, is be generous. Be kind to one another. Care for one another. And so if you think of it in that way, cast your bread upon the water, give your bread out, give your... Your resources out to everybody, and, and eventually people will take care of you as well. You'll find it after many days. We can see it that way. Verse 2 echoes the same truth: give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. See, he's talking about being generous. Give give what you have to seven people, share what god has given you we we say that you know god doesn't give us all of our resources just for us as we are part of the body and the bride of christ we have a responsibility to care for others in need and so um our our resources aren't necessar- necessarily supposed to be a reservoir they're supposed to be a river meaning god enables us to to bless and care for other people and that's what Solomon is saving, saying here, take care of seven people. Make, you know, make it eight people, and think about that. If you have eight close friends, you're doing really well, right? I mean, to have uh, yeah, I've got 500 Facebook friends. I've got a thousand Facebook, whatever it is, but they're not. That's not really friends. Uh, modern, you know, society has, has tricked us into thinking that the people on Facebook are our actual friends. You no, know, those are virtual friends. <laughs> It's the people you see face to face. Now, sometimes the people you see face to face are your Facebook friend as well, and that's okay. But the, we have this whole life thing going on, in between, and 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 so if you have seven people, eight people that you can count as your close friends, that if suddenly one day I was in need, I could go to them and say, "Hey, can you help us out?" And they would say, "Yeah, absolutely." That that's a, that's a comforting thought. If if something bad were to happen to 3 or 4 of your 7 friends there are still other people that can take care of you it's it's an oddity that something bad would befall 8 people at once and so or 9 people at once and so you have that that circle of friends be generous with one another care for one another we said we had a leadership meeting last night you know we as christians need to live with the idea that My house is your house. Mikasa sukasa. You know, you are welcome if you are in need. You know, like Jesus says, if you have need of a cloak and I have two, take one. So be generous. He says in verse three this is a funny verse to me. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And. If a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. Yeah. Like Michelle whispered, and that's exactly what I thought too. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Right? If the clouds are full of rain, they're going to empty themselves. Duh. Or... If a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there he doesn't answer. If a tree falls in the woods and no one is there to hear it, doesn't make a noise. He doesn't. He doesn't venture down that. That's what I would really like to know, but he doesn't go there. I mean, nothing about a bear pooping in the woods. So just he doesn't. He doesn't even venture down there. So, but what is he saying? Life happened. There, there's there's things that befall us all. There are things that are out of our control. There are things that are preordained that, that we don't have control of. So verse 4, in light of that, because there are things that we don't have control of, verse 4 says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. If you're too busy considering... Oh, is that, is that possibly rain that's coming? So I better not sow now. I better wait till it's dry. If you you get caught up in the farmer's almanac and the weather and when's the right time to sow or, you know, considering the clouds or the wind and uh, it's just, you know, you get, you get caught up in the what if game. You understand that game? I play that game a lot in my life. I've actually gotten better about it as I've gotten older, but as a teenager, as a young adult, I would... Play things out to the nth degree. Well, what if this happens? Then I, I need to do this. Or what if that happens? And then I need to do this. And, and I get caught up into uh, what Joe Fosch would call the, the paralysis of analysis. That you get so caught up in an analyzing everything that you never move. You never do what it is you're thinking about. And Solomon here is warning us against that. To say, don't, don't spend all of your time just analyzing. Don't play the what-if game. If God has put something on your heart to do, do it. He's he's put it on your heart. Now there's a right time and a right place for everything, like we read in chapter 3. But don't be looking for excuses in those things that are coming in order to not do what God has called you to do. Verse 5, As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how bones grow in the womb of her who is with child so you do not know the works of god who makes everything just hearing that word the womb of her who makes or who is with child it breaks my heart this whole planned parenthood thing that's going on i don't know if you're following the news it's just an absolute mess that they're selling parts of dismembered babies or talking about it it's Um, it grieves me. I hope it grieves you as well. I like that in the Word of God right there in that verse, it says, or how the bones grow in the womb of her, her who is with child. God would consider the life inside the womb with child. That's the phrase used. It's not a fetus that becomes a child at birth. It's a life, and God values it. Read Psalm 139. That wasn't even in my notes. That's just my heart. But the point is, we can't let our lack of knowledge concerning what might happen, what will happen in the future, we can't let that lack of knowledge hinder us from doing what God has told us to do. Like it says at the end of verse 5, uh, uh, So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. It is God who makes everything. God is in control. God is, as we sang in Come Thou Fount, God is sovereign over all things. So it says in verse 6, in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. Go for it. Plow. do, Do the work. Whatever God has called you to do. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. One of the things I love about Calvary Chapel, the movement, our church included, but just that that we as a movement have been noted for, one of our distinctives, if you would, and in fact it's in our book called Distinctives, is that Calvary Chapel is willing to venture out in faith. That when we... We believe that God wants to move. We believe that God is on a mission to seek and to save the lost. We believe that God wants to do many great things, and He's always looking for new ways to do that. And so Calvary Chapel has always been noted to say, all right, let's take a step. Let's see if God is in this. Let's, You know what? I have an idea. Let's, let's pursue it and see if God is blessing it, and if so, let's run after it. You have to hedge that with the idea that if God is not in it, you just need to pull back and say, "All right, that was I thought that was the Lord, but it's not and 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 be willing to do that and not you know put your nose to the grindstone and say, "In my strength, I'm going to do this. that's being perfected in the flesh galatians three three warns us against that, you know, having been made in the spirit, shall you now be perfected in the flesh? you know we, we need to avoid that, but if God has laid it on our hearts, let's pursue it and see if he's in it. Let's see if if he breathes on it and it's blessed and let's go for it. That's that's the motto of Calvary Chapel. It has been since the 10th days back in the late 60s. Let's just go for it. Now he takes an interesting look at life because Solomon, as he's writing this book of Ecclesiastes, is in his final years. He wrote three books. The Song of Solomon as he was early in his marriage. A uh, young in life, he wrote the Proverbs as he grew in wisdom, those wisdom years. And now the book of Ecclesiastes toward the end of his life. And that's kind of how he look, is looking at life. He's going to speak on, um, regarding aging. It says, truly the light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness for they will be many, all that is coming is vanity Solomon is saying hey when you've, when you've got great days, enjoy those, celebrate those. light is sweet and but let 's remember that there are dark days and day, those days do come, and there are many dark days, and there's one day that ends in death for us all. death comes to every one of our doors, and that 's a good thing to live life remembering it's it's good for us to remember as we live life that there is a day coming when it will end, when we will cross over the threshold and see our God. So, now he's going to speak as an old man to a young man. And I love this. Solomon's willing to pour out his wisdom on the next generation, the younger people. We need more of that in our church. We need more of us who have walked this life for a long time, have walked with God for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years to be looking at the next generation and pouring their knowledge into that generation. Sharing the things that they have learned. That's what Solomon's going to do. And we need more of that here at Calvary Chapel. He says in verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. I'm looking over here. He's speaking to you guys, you ladies. Rejoice, O young people, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Solomon's encouraging young people, and I want to just encourage all of you young people, walk in the ways that you want to walk. You're passionate people. God has created you as passionate people. Walk in those ways. But remember, as you're walking, everything you do, God is going to bring into judgment. So do you really want to spend your passions and, your, and the things that, that you think, you want, you want to pursue those things now? Or would you rather pursue God? The very best thing is to live your entire life for the Lord. The very best thing you can do with your life. Skip the prodigal years. Skip the hell years. Just, just forget about them. And, and leverage everything you have, including the zeal that you have for life now. Because I'm learning that zeal isn't always there. As you get older, life becomes more routine and more mundane, and the demands on your life get more and more strong So the very best thing is to live your entire life for the Lord from young to old. The young people live passionately. Yeah, we see that. They live passionately. And when that passion is directed toward the kingdom of God, a lot can be accomplished for the kingdom of God. I'm so excited about our youth group at Calvary Chapel and all that God is doing with Stephen and Alicia and Michelle leading the way and just what happened at camp. And it's just, I'm excited about their passion. So to those of us who would consider ourselves older, let's not spoil their passion. Let's stay out of the way. If you're grumpy about it, if you're grumpy that we got young people in our church, you know, because they're, yeah, they make messes. Yeah, they Don't ever leave on time or, you know, whatever. I've been guilty of that grumpiness. Let's get over that. They have a passion and an excitement. And let's fan that flame inside of them. Verse 10, Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now, your Creator, in the days of your youth, Before the difficult days come. I hope you all hear that, young people. There are difficult days coming. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Again, I want to say the very best thing is to serve God with all of your days. There's a day coming, and us older folk probably maybe experience this. There's a day coming, you see right now, you guys that are young, you drop something, you bend over, you pick it up, and you put it back in your pocket, you reuse it. There's a day coming when you drop something and you go, do I really need it? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think I need it that bad. We'll just leave it on the ground. <laughs> so that day is coming. There are days when they have... not Nope. Dave dropped his cell phone at the meeting yesterday, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, there's days coming where I go, I'll just leave it there. (laughs) Right. It's nice having younger people in the house, right? We were channel changers, right? When we grew up, hey, boy, go change the channel. We were the remote control. Uh (laughs) Fix the rabbit ears while you're up there. They were, never mind. (laughs) Um, where am I? Verse 2, chapter 12. Well, the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. So he's now going to start speaking about what life is like when, when you get old. And some of the, the language he uses here is pretty cool, I think. It says in verse 3, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, What's the, that's your hands. The keepers of the house. That's what you're able to do things with. When your hands and your feet start to tremble. And the strong men bow down, meaning the, the legs and the back when you start to get hunched over. Listen to this. When the grinders cease because they are few. <laughs> the teeth. You lose them as you get older. I worked, My first job, 16 years old, I worked in a Uh, nursing home in the dietary department and we had i think uh, we were at about 120 residents that we would prepare meals for and i'd go in at 4 30 after school and one of my jobs was to take whatever the meat was that day and grind it up because we had people in the nursing home who could not chew it themselves it was gross it's called mechanicalized meat It was pre chewed meat, essentially, done in a blender. So that's just the way of life, is that we, our bodies age. Because of sin, our bodies groan, Paul says. And those that look through the windows grow dim, right? The windows, our eyes, our eyes are the windows to the soul. They grow dim. We need glasses, and then we need bifocals, and then we need trifocals, because we can't see at all. And then cataracts set in. And now you can get cataracts corrected. And then, it's just one thing after, our eyes weren't meant to last this long. The eyes grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low. He's talking about our ears. Those things that we're used to hearing. That we suddenly, hey boy, turn the TV up some more. Because we're... I played speed metal for 11 years. I was telling Michelle, I'm there already. I'm 43 years old. I can't hear at all. When one rises up at the sound of a bird, right? Four o'clock in the morning. Jeep, what was that? I'm awake. I've had an hour and a half of sleep. I'm doing pretty good tonight, right? And they're, they... KK slept like 17 hours last weekend from Friday to Saturday. It wasn't 17, but it was a lot. Uh, 13, I think. If I slept 13 hours, you, I'd need traction. <laughs> I just wouldn't be able to move at all. I, six hours, and my back locks up. <laughs> Preach it, boy! <laughs> all the daughters of music are brought low i was singing today and there was a part that i was supposed to sing at the end of that last song that i was like when i practiced it in practice i couldn't hit it anymore you used to hit it all the time as you get older your ability to sing diminishes you lose your voice now i know it's because i haven't practiced as much as i used to but the daughters of music are brought low. There are those out there that think they can still sing well. They cannot. But I'm uh, not, not talking about any of us here where you all have beautiful voices. Make a joyful noise. How about this? When... <laughs> I knew I was going to have fun with this part. so How about when the almond tree blossoms... Well, it's interesting. almond tree, when it blossoms, the flower starts pink, changes to white, and then falls off. What's he talking about? Hair. Yeah. When the almond tree blossoms, because it goes white, and then you lose it. Or if you're like me, we just skip the white part and just go straight to losing it. 23 years old, I started losing my hair. I was shaving my head I've been shaving my head 20 years, long before it was cool. There was nobody that was bald, me and Kojak. And it was just like, I'm going out on a limb here. And, oh, wait wait a minute. Uh, The grasshopper is a burden. And all I could think of for that is, you older folk, you guys won't get this. Remember Tim Conway as the old man, right? And just the way that he would walk. And imagine walking like this and a grasshopper in your path. You'd have to stop for a little while and consider it would go around it. It would try to go over it when the the grasshopper becomes a burden. There were three... All right, I wasn't going to tell this joke, but it's funny. Let me see if I can get it right. There are three older sisters, like, living in the house together. Oh, We'll make them older than everybody here. So, um, 88, 90, and 92. Safe? We're good? Living in the house together. And the first, the youngest, says, you know what? I think I'm going to take a bath. So she goes upstairs, and she starts to draw the water. And as she's drawing the water, she sets one foot in the tub, and she says, I can't remember if I was getting in or getting out. So she calls her, younger, her older sister, the 90-year-old. Hey, Martha, come up here. Help me remember. Help me figure out if I was getting in or getting out. So Martha begins to go up the stairs. She gets about halfway, has to catch her breath, and then as she's ready to go again, she says, was I going up or coming down? Hey, Betty. Betty. You're 92, but you still got a pretty sharp mind. Come here and help me. And so Betty's sitting at the kitchen table, and she says, thank goodness I'm not like those old, uh, you know, knock on wood, I'm not like those old people. And she says, hold on, I'll get the door. <laughs> <laughs> the grasshopper is a burden. Sorry, it wasn't worth it, was it? That was all right. And desire fails. There is a time when even sexual desire diminishes. And for a man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about to the streets. Again, death comes to us all. Remember your Creator, he says in verse 6, before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. All those meant different things in the Jewish culture. um, You can research those. It's all showing signs of aging. Remember your Creator before you start seeing signs of aging. Remember your Creator all the days of your life. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. It's the circle of life. I was going to sing it, but I won't. It, it, that What? <laughs> the, you know, from, from the dust we came, from the dust we shall return, uh, or to the dust we shall return. The Spirit will return to God who gave us. And that is the true circle of life. Vanity of vanities. And this kind of is the end of what he's writing. There is like a summary paragraph after this, but he says, Vanity of vanities says the preacher, and remember, the, to the preacher means the one who declares truth. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And what's interesting about that is he ends his summary of life the same way that he began it way back in chapter 1. Life under the sun, vanity of vanities. He ends as he began. But then he says in verse 9, And moreover, because the preacher was wise... He still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. Solomon wrote something like 3,000 proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth. Solomon, we've read before, as Solomon came to take his father's throne God asked him what he wanted, and and Solomon, in his wisdom, said, I want to be wise. I want to know how to go out and come in. I want to be like my father. I need wisdom. And God said, because you didn't ask for money, because you didn't ask for the the fame of this world, you're going to get those things as well, but I will grant, grant you wisdom. And Solomon became the wisest man who has ever lived outside of Jesus. And Solomon was gifted by God with wisdom. And then Solomon uses his gift and blesses us all. God includes it in the inspired Word of God for you and I to read. These words of wisdom, it says in verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads. Goads are a prod that they would use to make cattle go where they were supposed to go. If you had an ox on a plow that wasn't plowing straight, as, the, as they would try to steer to the right or the left on the, on the actual plow, they would have these sharp sticks so that if the ox would turn to the right, they would get stuck in the side. And so the goad kept them straight. That's what wisdom is. It's like a goad. It helps us keep on the straight and narrow. It helps, helps us stay on the right path. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of scholars are like well-driven nails. True. tried and True. Given by one shepherd. Hear that? You see that? I think in most of the translations, if you're reading along in the New King James, that word shepherd is capitalized. Our shepherd, the good shepherd, the shepherd that his dad talked about in Psalm 23. Given All truth is given by one shepherd. Solomon recognized that his wisdom was given to him by God. And further, my son, remember, he's speaking as an old man to a young man. Further, my son, be admonished by these of making of many books. There is no end and much study is wearisome to the flesh. <laughs> the- Christian bookstores will always be filled with books. And not just Christian bookstores, but bookstores in general. They are always writing books. And in the day you and I live in, every blogger in the world could have a book. You don't have to go through the publishing steps that you used to have to go through, the standards that there were. If you want to make a book, you make a book. There is no end to the making of many books. And what Solomon says is, study is wearisome to the flesh. No, you cannot use that as an excuse. Many school children have tried to use Ecclesiastes 12.12 12 to get out of doing their homework. Dad, the study is wearisome to the flesh. It has never worked. <laughs> it will never work. But what I, the one truth I want to take from that, make the most important book you own the Word of God. And compare everything else you read to that standard. Value that Bible that you have more than you do above every other book. Because it is true. And more than that, it's living. It's active, Hebrews would tell us. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You can read a passage 20 times in your life and get something different out of it every time. Because it is living and active. Yes, there are books without end. Remember when we were back in Daniel and we talked about the Daniel diet? And I read all the titles out there about the Daniel diet, which is funny to me because the Daniel diet is not a diet. You read it, you know what I'm talking about? When they ate vegetables for the 10 days, they did, they we're not going to eat the king's meat, remember that? And then what it says is, test us in this and we'll try it for 10 days and see if we aren't as healthy as those who eat the king's meat. In fact, it says they were fatter. There's a scripture, there's a, a, a truth of God that would say they gained weight because they ate this diet. Yet, you can go to the Christian bookstore and find 30 books on the Daniel diet. How to lose weight on the Daniel diet. No! No! That's not the point! They will continue to try to take your money The study is wearisome to the flesh. It's funny how you can watch a three-hour movie, no problem, but open the Word of God and you're asleep in 30 seconds. Right? Alright. Give us a conclusion. Last two verses. We get to it. This is He's built up to this moment. This is the home run ball. This is all, all that he said in the first chapters is to say this. Let us hear the conclusion. Yes, Solomon, let us hear the conclusion. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Wrap it up. Check this out. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. And and the ball goes sailing over the fence. That is the truth of it. That is the, the the all the wisdom in the world. The greatest man who has ever lived boils it down to one thought. Fear God. Not fear like I'm afraid. And I've shared this every time we've talked about fear. But fear like I have a deep reverence for. I stand in awe of. I am overwhelmed by. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Why keep His commandments? Because that's how you and I show that we love. It's in our obedience to what God has said that we demonstrate our love. It's by obeying what He has told us. Just like for those of us who have children, one of the great ways that we see that they love us is they do what we tell them to do. Same is true with our relationship with God. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is man's most. Right, I mean, there's other things we can pursue, we can build our sandcastle kingdoms, we can we can chase after these things. We can go prodigal for a while. We can, you know, chase after the riches of this world. Is that what Solomon says? No. Fear God, keep His commandments. This is man's. All. Or, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. All those years we've thought that we've gotten away with what somebody else doesn't know about us. He has a record of. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motivations. Even We can fool our own, we can fool our own heart with our motivations we we can we can justify sin in our lives. We can trick ourselves, and God knows the true motivation of our heart. Every secret thing whether good or evil. We sang that song, um the creed. I love I grew up in the Methodist church, which is a little more liturgical than Calvary Chapel would be, meaning there's an order to the service and there were Certain things that we did in every service, and some of it was very old and and sadly, nobody f- even felt anymore. We would read or we would recite the lord's prayer, and it was droning our father who our... there was absolutely no feeling to it, but we would also recite the apostles' creed, and that at my young age, I would I just loved the flow of the way the Apostles' Creed went. It's very similar to the song we sang the creed tonight. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ His Son. It's these statements that men have made that help to surmise all that we believe and to sum them up so that we can declare them. They're they're statements of faith. They're declarations of what we believe. And in 1647... The Westminster um, Group uh, put together what is known as the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and a catechism is um, a series of questions with responses. Um, and there are there are families out there that um, me- memorize the catechism. Um, in the shorter catechism, there's 107 different questions. I encourage you take a look at it on Google. It's really really cool to see. You know, they pose a question and then it's a one-sentence question and then it's a, like a one-sentence answer. And it's just so concise and, and it's really, really cool. But the first question of the Westminster Catechism, I love it. And you may already know it. The question is, what is the chief end of man? What's the, what's the main thing, right? What's the chief end of man? And the answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God And to enjoy Him forever. How cool is that? The the chief end. Everything that we're all about. It echoes what is said there in verse 13 and 14. Everything that we're all about is to glorify God. And then enjoy Him forever. And that's the beauty of the the relationship with God. It's more than just glorifying Him. It's glorifying Him with, with the benefit of enjoying Him forever. That because of the relationship, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, He brings us into relationship with Him. An eternal relationship. And we've placed our faith in Him when we express our belief in that He is our Savior. When we recognize our need for a Savior and cry out to Jesus, then He brings us in, invites us into His presence. And we live out our days glorifying our Father in heaven and enjoying Him. Forever. And that's the whole point of the book of Ecclesiastes. That truly, if you live life under the sun, you'll never find that enjoyment. As soon as we get our eyes off of the short-sighted life and set our eyes on that which is eternal, that's when even the mundane, and even the hard things like aging become enjoyable. Because each day we live with Him. The book of Ecclesiastes. That's really, really a, a great story. I encourage you to keep it in your repertoire. Be familiar with it. It's a great way to witness to people. So, we good? Amen? All right. Um, I don't know where we're going to go from here. You got something you're interested in? Let me know. We we tend to stick to the Old Testament on Wednesday nights and the New Testament on Sunday morning. It's kind of the way we're going right now, so you want to hear something? I mean, we could just go right into Song of Solomon. I, I don't mind doing that. Um, if you want to, it's a great book. It's a, There's a great physical side to it and the relationship between a husband and a wife but there's a beautiful spiritual picture to it in the relationship between god and his bride so we could study that if you want um let me know if you got something let me know just after we pray and whatever so let's stand let's close in prayer and song jesus we do believe in you we believe in god the father we believe in the holy spirit We believe, Jesus, that you died and rose again, that you resurrected to life, that you defeated sin and death, and that we are atoned for, our sin is paid for, that we stand before a perfect God justified. We have been freed from the penalty of sin. We have been freed from the power of sin. There is a day coming when we will see you face to face, and we will have our resurrected, glorified bodies, and we'll live eternally with you. In celebration of a great and loving God, I pray for our young people here at this church that they would just skip the hell years, that they would skip the years of chasing after the things of this world. They would take their energies and their passions and pursue you with everything that they have, Lord, and that we would encourage them in that, God. For those who are considering living in in a mission field, uh, that God, just that you would fan that flame, that we wouldn't quench those things, God. Because there's a day coming when they'll all settle down with family. So just help us to ignite that. Lord, for the years that we've had, for those of us that are older, and the wisdom that we have, Lord, help us not to hoard that. Help us to pour it out. God, that you would unite us as a family of God. We need each other. You've united us through the bond and the blood of Jesus Christ. As we go from this place, we ask Your peace over us. We ask, God, that we would honor and glorify You because we love You. In Jesus' name.